The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to Just End the Show, Season 2, everybody. We're back, people. You made it. We made it. You made it. The haters <laughs> said we couldn't do it, but we're back. Football is back, and we absolutely cannot wait. Uh, for anybody who forgot during the offseason, I'm Seth. The other voice you've already heard is Kevin. Yes, that's me. Hello. In fact, you've already heard a lot of Kevin. Kevin made our theme song. <laughs> that's true. You've already heard a little bit of me. Yeah, you're right. The skeptic said that there was not going to be a season two and it turned out i was wrong so (laughs) welcome to just end the show season two episode one where it's not going to get any easier it only gets slightly (laughs) easier i think we should adjust our motto just ever so slightly because i think it will get easier (laughs) uh but marginally keep those expectations low but maybe raise the bar just a tiny bit So as we know, and we'll get your take, Kevin, in a second, but as we know, the floor for this Jets team is 0-17, which sounds like lazy analysis, but it's not, (laughs) because that cannot be said for most of the teams in this league. If Patrick Mahomes was hit by a bus tomorrow, the Chiefs would not go 0-17. We don't want that to happen. We're just saying it's a hypothetical situation. Right. We're We're not rooting for that to happen. We don't root for injuries on this podcast. Unless you're playing me in fantasy or you're Tom Brady. But other than that, we don't we don't root for injuries <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. So we know where their floor is, but the ceiling on this team, Kev, as I kind of hear through their schedule, I have what would be an absolute ceiling for this team at about ten and seven. Is that unfair? Um unfair? I don't know about unfair. It might be um it might be unrealistic, but unfa- unfair, I would say no. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they'll hit that. I don't think they'll go 10-7, and seven, but if they won every winnable game, uh, we're recording this on the 2nd of September, about uh, a little over a week before the first game of the season on September 11th. At this point, I consider there to be 10 winnable games at this juncture, and that will change wildly from week to week, but... But I think that's that's ultimately their ceiling. I think that's possible. I I, I think I might even I might invert it and say seven and ten. But that, I I didn't actually go through the schedule and like break it all down like you did. So I think you you could potentially be right. But uh, I'm I'm a little less optimistic than you just based on the uh, text that we've had and stuff. But as we go through the roster, maybe I'll I think I think you'll probably you'll probably talk me into it more and more as we as we go through it. I could see that happening. But my natural stance is to. Uh, to keep the bag on my head, you know, as people know from season one. Although I couldn't find the bag, so maybe that's a good omen for uh, for our next for our next season here. I'll just end the show. Brand new season, brand new bag. <laughs> Papa's got a brand new bag. Yeah, I know. We we had a conversation uh, offline uh, where I, I think I said something to the effect of, "I I truly believe that this team is a quarterback away," and then you said. Isn't that sort of important? (laughs) 
I I think so, you know, and uh, we're going to get into the uh, week one thing probably way later on in the podcast. But yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be tough to slog through uh, the first week of this season because we already have question marks about Zach Wilson and then we don't even get to see him in week one. We have to we have to go back to Joe and uh, neither one of us are, are pumped about that. But uh, I, I, I wanted to point out here, I wrote down some notes, and the first uh, line I just wrote down, um, it just says, Zach, comma, MILF. So uh, <laughs> if if there's not... <laughs> I've uh, heard a lot of uh, preseason coverage and uh, looked up a lot of things about the Jets, but I can't believe that uh, we've all forgotten that we found out that Zach's got that dog in him. And uh, that's our quarterback, and that's really what we should be focusing on. We should be focusing on MILFs, and we should be focusing on on Sauce Gardner. Those are the two things that this podcast is going to be all about this year. And from a from a content comedy standpoint, is this like the best possible uh, off season we could have had? It's pretty close. Yeah, I don't see how it could have gotten any better. I mean, hide your moms, hide your wives, right? <laughs> the Jets are coming to town. <laughs> No one's even bringing it up anymore. And I'm like, wait, that was that that didn't happen that long ago, you know. But look, I mean, we, we don't want to pry into Zach Wilson's private life other than just to say, go get him, man. You're the best. That's my quarterback. Can't wait to see a week two. Yeah, I love that that was the biggest story of the entire NFL offseason, maybe short <laughs> of uh, Deshaun Watson. And I mean, who would you rather have a sexual predator like Deshaun Watson or, uh, you know, just yeah. an awesome guy who's in the mills like Zach Wilson. Yeah. The, it's night and day. The, it's, the choice is very clear from a, from a non-football perspective. And, uh, that's, <laughs> that's what we're all about here on Just End the Show. <laughs> I mean, it's the best. Also, the second note I wrote down was, um, we're still the Mike White stand cast. So all these other, uh, people who are batting their eyelashes at, uh, Strevler, uh, not here, folks. That's not happening. Not on this, not on our time. We're still all about Mike White, and uh, I wish that he was playing Week One. I'll be honest with you; I'm ready for I'm ready for uh, Mike White. Uh, the only thing I can say is, uh, unless you think it's the Flacco revenge game, which I really, really don't see uh, as as being a big factor. So come on. But what do you think of the whole uh, mini uh, Mike White Strevler uh, backup quarterback controversy? Yeah, Kev. <laughs> I mean, what, like a uh, famous presidential candidate once said. What we have here is a vigorous agreement. We are the premier <laughs> Mike White standcast, or White Mike, as we like to call him. Um, White Mike. And not only did I bat my eyelashes at Chris Trevler, <laughs> I was ready to bring Chris Trevler into the mix as a side bitch. I, like to, to me, Joe Flacco has got to be the odd man out in this equation. I want to roll with Mike White as my starter week one, Strevler as my backup. Yeah. With Zach waiting in the wings, maybe we're, we're talking what week three? I think is is probably the the, the earliest we'll, we're likely to see Zach. And if Mike White is cooking, you let him cook, and you let Zach wait. Oh yeah, I I I couldn't agree more. I mean, the Flacco thing, I just don't understand at all at this point. Like, and I guess is it just this old school football thing that like he's the veteran, so that's this is just the move you have to make, or is it like I, I don't understand it because you know I'm I I, I liked obviously the Strebler thing in the preseason was fun, but having him or Mike White 
definitely seems like the better option than Joe Flacco at this point. I just don't know what Flacco's bringing, bringing, put, put, putting on the table here. He hasn't been good in so long. So yeah, I mean, whether it was White, which I think you and I would prefer, or Strevler, I don't understand, uh, the whole Flacco starting, starting week one thing. It's just like gonna take the wind out of ourselves right out of the, right out of the gate. Like, at least if like Strevler came in and was bad, it would be like, well, Remember we had that good time in the preseason where he kept coming back in the fourth quarter, but yeah, it didn't work out. Whereas this is like, we know that they're just going to get smoked week one. And it's like, why does it have to be like that? Like maybe Strevler could have like a Bengals, you know, Mike White situation, or maybe Mike White could do it again. I don't know. But you know, at least there's a if as opposed to like, yeah, we just got to get through this. Like, yeah, I don't understand the Jets continued infatuation with Joe Flacco. They've acquired him twice now. They acquired him originally two seasons ago, let him walk, I believe, that offseason, and then traded for him during the season last year to get him back from the Eagles. Notice how the Eagles were able to easily give up Joe Flacco because they have the NFL's premier backup quarterback, Gardner Minshew, who I've wanted all along, and we won't go back down Gardner Minshew Road. We won't we won't rehash last season. But I I, I don't understand what Joe Flacco what kind of dirt he has on Woody Johnson or what, why he keeps finding his way back here somehow, how he keeps finding his way back into the starting lineup. Uh, I don't get it. I, I don't see a path where Joe Flacco leads us to a victory against the Ravens. I don't see a path where Joe Flacco leads us to victory against the Lions. I just, I don't <laughs> get it. And uh, I'm I'm sick of running Flacco out there and really just, you know, being non-competitive right out of the gate. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why you wouldn't just give Mike White a chance based on what we saw from Mike White last season, where when he played anybody but the Buffalo Bills, he was really good. What I thought we would do with this first episode of season two uh, is give a little bit of a season preview and kind of touch on each position group really quickly, one by one. And I mean, you kind of tiptoed around it. I'll go out and say it. The quarterback position is this team's weakest position group, I think, by a pretty wide margin. And I include Zach Wilson when I say that. Because we 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 saw good Zach Wilson in week, I guess it was week 16 last year, whatever that week is that they played Tampa. Uh, it's weird to say that about a loss. That's the week we finally saw good Zach Wilson. And we really didn't see too much of good Zach Wilson the rest of the year. I know he beat the Titans uh, and there's another win in there somewhere, but we saw a really, really hold on to the ball, indecisive, uh, panicky, little not ready, uh, quarterback play from Zach last year. And I think, you know, this season will be largely about his progression because as we go through position by position, I think you'll end up agree with me. The other players are there. He's got the skill guys to, to be successful. He's got the line to be successful. It's really on, on his shoulders at this point. Yeah, this from the skill perspective, I I would agree. The line, I would say, still a little shaky. It still seems like a little bit in flux, and obviously you lose Beckton again. Which, what can you say at this point? I mean, uh, yeah, it, that's just just it just is awful, and especially considering I think when we get into the running game as well, that just losing. Losing guys like that really hurts, and and it feels like. But yeah, I I think uh, I think you're right. This is not a team that's uh, that is extremely as extremely talent starved as 
as it was going into last season where there were like whole cloth position groups where we were like, yeah, just throw this out the window. This is no good. Like it's not, it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem that bad this year. Uh, but then again, you know, we're, we're going to find out how it becomes bad as the season goes along. So that's what we do here yeah. on Just End the Show Industries. <laughs> and, if, and if you want to indulge me uh, and stick with the offense for this first bit, I guess we could just start with the, the running backs going into this year. So uh, the Jets used a pretty high pick, not a first rounder, not any of their three first rounders, which we'll, we'll all get to at some point. Uh, but the Jets used a pretty high pick to take Brees Hall, I have to be very careful to not say Bryce Hall, who is also still a member of this roster. They took Brees Hall. We're going to have to have a uh, a swear jar for any time we mix up Bryce Hall, Brees Hall, and Bryce Huff. That's definitely going to happen. I can't believe all three of those guys, and at least the two Michael Carters, it's pretty easy to tell because they're on opposite ends of the ball. But like, it's like, oh man, is this Joe Douglas's drafting strategies like to confuse the other team? Like, wait, they're all named Hall. How do I... <laughs> But yes, Brees Hall is the running back. Yes, Brees. Welcome to the squad, buddy. Yeah, I know there were there were a lot of, um, especially if you're a fantasy football player like myself, there was a lot of hype surrounding Brees Hall that he would become the Jets' uh, sort of first and second down back with Michael Carter kind of being the changeup back, the receiving back on third downs. Personally, I don't see that being the path for this Jets offense, at least not early on. Um, Brees hasn't looked great in camp. Uh, I know he hasn't looked great in the preseason. He's looked a little, I don't want to say slow, but he's looked a little indecisive where you'd wish he'd kind of use that power to go a little more north and south. I think he averaged uh, about or just under two yards a carry throughout the preseason. And I think Michael Carter, conversely, was one of the breakout stars, one of the few bright spots of the 2021 Jets. And I was surprised that this this rookie was coming in to sort of usurp him in that starting role. I, I would think that we'd get a lot more touches for Michael Carter than Brees Hall. Yeah, I was surprised about that too. And uh, in terms of the cuts and stuff, they uh, they cut Tevin Coleman and they kept Zonathan Knight, who's an undrafted rookie. And pretty weird. I didn't. I, I would have thought that they would have kept Coleman around just because at least you kind of know what you're getting with that instead of with Brees and Zonovan. Now there's really now if you can't trust either of those guys, as it turns out, you're down to really just Carter. And Johnson and I should have looked this up. Did did Tevin Coleman get um, did Tevin Coleman get picked up by somebody or is he? Or I don't think he's on. Is he on the practice squad? I, I don't even know. As of today, I do not believe he has been picked up by another team, and I know he didn't make the practice squad. Yeah, so he's just a free agent. Yeah, Tevin Coleman. I was a bit surprised about Tevin Coleman. Um, if for no other reason, he's also the team's backup kick returner. Um, so if anything, yeah. you know, God forbid should happen to Braxton Berrios, one of my favorite Jets. Um, oh, Coleman's man. a guy who can kind of fill in on special teams, we know. But um, I think that kind of says a lot about Ty Johnson and a lot about how the Jets feel about Zonovan Knight. That they thought of Te- Tevin Coleman as expendable. And frankly, watching all three of them, I really can't blame them. I think I'm higher on Ty Johnson than most people. I think he's a perfectly capable back. I'm not afraid of him going into the season as our, our third string running back behind Brees and Carter. Um, and I liked what I saw out of Zonovan Knight as well, who in theory should only get burned if, you know, there are a couple of injuries at running back. So I think even without Tevin Coleman, that this is a pretty strong position group, especially if you, as you look at the depth of running back around the NFL. Yeah. Any, not really any of the cuts they made, like I said earlier, it didn't, I mean, you know, something like Tevin Coleman, it's like, 
you know, a little surprising. Is it keeping me up at night? Not particularly, you know, like, oh, no, I don't get to see Tevin Coleman. That's not like a horrible thing. Um, so, yeah, hopefully hopefully the idea is just that they're just high enough on Zonovan and uh, Brees to, uh, to to just say we can roll with that as long as we also have Ty and, uh, and obviously Michael Carter in there. So hopefully that's the strategy and it's not like uh, I guess the bad side would be them saying like maybe we can call up Zonovan because we're not sure if Brees is really like if, if we struck out with this guy that's that would be the bad take but hopefully that is not what's happening and uh, yeah I mean I don't think that the running attack is going to be a huge part of the offense I, I would be surprised but you know um, like you said last year Michael Carter was such a bright spot so hopefully that can continue going into next year. And I like the uh, diversity they have at running back as well, because you've got Brees Hall as kind of like the bigger running back, a little bit of a bruiser. You've got Carter, who, as you know, is an excellent wide receiver to the backfield. Ty Johnson is a guy that kind of gives you a little bit of both. He's a good balanced running back. And then Zonovan Knight, kind of another uh, speed guy as well, a little stocky guy, maybe some surprising power too. Um, but I, I like how this running back group is. It seems varied and it seems uh, balanced, which I, I like that approach from Joe Douglas. Yeah, agreed. Hopefully it works out. The wide receiver group on this team is arguably their deepest position group, I think, even after uh, keeping Jeff Smith on the roster. I know, I know. Yeah, the bane of my existence. I thought thought that uh, Calvin Jackson Jr. uh, had a really, really good preseason. I was excited about him as kind of an undrafted rookie, and I'm, I'm surprised he wasn't able to crack the roster um, over or Jeff Smith, who I feel like the Jets have dragged along on this roster. This has got to be, what, at least year three of us watching uh, Jeff Smith has, have to come in as the depth guy because of injuries. And I, I think we've seen all we're going to see out of this guy, right? Yeah. Did they cut Sirius Black, too, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> he did make the practice squad. Oh, he, he did make the practice, practice squad. squad so. I can never remember his actual name. Um, uh, Tariq. Tariq, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I agree with you. Obviously, we've got uh, Davis, Berrios, Elijah Moore, those are not surprising. And then Garrett Wilson is not surprising. But uh, the biggest thing in, the, uh, in this group, obviously, is Denzel Mims. And uh, as of right now, still a New York Jet. <laughs> it's possible by the time this posts that he's not, but I kind of doubt it at this point. I think they're just going to... I don't think that there's a market for him. I don't know how much we want to go into the whole off-field stuff. I feel like that's been pretty well-trodden, but you and I, in terms of on-field, still see some kind of potential upside in Mims, Mm -hmm. Uh, though, you know, this is really, I think, it. Like, he has to really prove it uh, at this point, if he is going to end up being on on the roster, and this whole uh, the whole trade request thing, I don't know. It seems like he just kind of wants to play. He doesn't want to be inactive. And I feel like, yeah, last year, how many podcasts were we doing where we were like, "Hey, this team's not that good. Why don't they just put Denzel Mims in? Like, how bad can this go?" Um, so. I don't know. I mean, obviously, people who don't like him are just pointing to the stats and being like, this guy's asking for a trade. He, he like, what, he cut, caught whatever passes last year, like nothing. Um, so I get that perspective, but I just feel like that he still hasn't really gotten a chance to, to with, with the amount of, like, it's one thing if the guy's on the field and he's bad, but if he's getting DNPs every week, then it's like, what's the point? So I would say, like, I don't know. I'm still, like... I'm still ready to kind of give him a shot, and I really feel like if something can click between him and Zach, then the the rest of the receiving unit, like you said, Jeff Smith is whatever, but the rest of the receiving unit is is pretty solid. So the, he's the big question mark, and 
obviously, I think if Joe Douglas had gotten an offer for him, he would have that he liked, he would have flipped him already. So I don't think that that offer's on the table. So it's just a matter of you. You got to work with what you got, man. And I like having him on the. I like having him on the roster. I do. I don't know. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, like you said, the market for Denzel Mims it's it's not really there. There's no. There's no asset the Jets could get back in return that I think would help them more than just having Mims on the roster and having Mims play valuable snaps this season. He showed it in the preseason. He showed it last preseason. He showed it a little bit when he got his chance um, the year you know he was he was drafted when he was playing a little bit. Um, I don't really understand why Denzel Mims has been underutilized the way that he has, as we've kind of discussed at nausea. Um, Denzel Mims himself doesn't understand it as he's requested that trade through his agent because of the lack of playing time. Um, but I'm ready to unleash this guy. I think, you know, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore are going to be the starters on the outside as this team breaks camp. And then Braxton Berrios and Garrett Wilson, I think, are going to play uh, most of the snaps in the slot. But I would argue that Denzel Mims might be the best fifth wide receiver in the league. And if any of those first four guys, have to miss any time at all, there's no reason why we shouldn't see significant snaps for Denzel Mims, or even if they don't get hurt. I mean, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore aren't going to play every down on the outside. Yeah, And I think that's really where you're going to see Mims shine, is to be able to use his speed, use his size, use that that, that great catch radius, that wingspan that he has um, to catch balls down the field. I think if Zach Wilson has his way, I think the deep ball is going to be a big part of this offense. I think when you've got a, a quarterback with the biggest arm as Zach, you have to let him show that off a little bit. You have to try to stretch the defense when you can. And I think Mims it can be a great part of, of trying to do that. Yeah, I, like I say, I think you just have to kind of unleash him and ha- you got to give him a shot. And he's not going to be a great, versatile wide receiver. He's going to be a guy who lines up on the outside and just tries to beat you, like you say, like with his, you know, with his wingspan and verticality. So I think it's something that they could utilize with somebody who can throw the deep ball like Zach Wilson has shown, you know, um, whether or not, again, he'll, uh, Zach will be, you know, available to do that based on the offensive line or anything like that. We're, it's, it's, we're waiting to see, but yeah, I'm, we're both pro, I think, keeping, keeping Mims on the roster, even if, uh, he does end up getting flipped at some point, I think, uh, put him on the, the roster and yeah, I'm with you. I would have gone with Jackson or somebody else in the Smith spot, but other than that, um, yeah. This is a pretty solid receiver group. Just please, please, we need Corey Davis to stay healthy for at least a little bit of the season. Yeah, a full season or most of a full season of Corey Davis. I completely agree. He is just so steady for this team. Just, you know, rock solid veteran possession receiver. Um, Not a traditional number one, which is why I think a lot of the haters would look at this group a little uh, unfavorably. But I, I think Elijah Moore has the potential to be a number one. I think the sky is the absolute ceiling for Elijah Moore. Right. I think Garrett Wilson might low-key be the best receiver on this team. I think Garrett Wilson is a future star, and I think the Jets got an absolute steal with him. And then I think Braxton Berrios is one of the most underrated, if not the most underrated, slot receiver in this league. He's got incredible chemistry with Zach already. They're wearing the T-shirts, right? The Braxton Berrios is good. Yeah, this, Braxton Zach Berrios Wilson is good. good. Sure. Yeah, I, I, love I, that. I want to get one of those Braxton Berrios is good shirts. Or if our podcast can make him for Mike White or Denzel Mims, that would be great. Nice. <laughs> we're we're going to talk about. There's another piece of uh, accoutrement we're gonna we're gonna be lobbying for uh, in in case, but we'll get to that when we get to the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, not too much longer to go before we get there. We just want to touch on the tight ends and the offensive line. 
tight end, um, I don't think should take us too long, but I think that's because there's not much to analyze because this is one of the better tight end groups they've had in years. Yeah. This position, as you know, Kevin, has been notoriously a black hole for the Jets. Probably since what, Dustin Keller in the Murph Sanchez era? Time. I mean, is there a yeah. notable tight end between Dustin Keller and now? We got we got about uh, four cool games out of Chris Herndon. Yeah. <laughs> circa circa twenty eighteen, and I think that's been the extent of it. That's that's it, yeah. Did you have any thoughts about Cager making the team? Uh, um, I, that was that would be the only thing, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to spend some time on on Lawrence Cager. I'm not a, a, a huge fan of uh, his, and I'll I'll tell you why. I seem to be the only Jets fan on the internet that's not all aboard the Lawrence Cager bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I just I think it's a little hokey when when teams will do this uh, with players. So it's Cager. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, was a depth wide receiver for the Jets last year. Um, really was not good enough to make the team as a wide receiver, not the world's best route runner, really just sort of too slow from a, you know, an, an NFL, right. Uh, caliber perspective. He's just not fast enough to be an NFL wide receiver. This offseason, Cager does the work to switch over to tight end, uh, where all of a sudden he's a matchup nightmare. And it's like, well, yeah, you could never cover a wide receiver with a linebacker, or even a, even one of the slower ones. Um, can Lawrence Cager block? I don't know. We haven't seen it. It seems like he's just sort of a slow wide receiver who changed his position at tight end to kind of save his bacon. And uh, so far, so good because he made the 53-man roster. Credit to him. That's apparently the idea. I think Douglas said, what is it? He's You don't want to be slow for a wide receiver. You want to be fast for a tight end. And that's his whole. That's the whole strategy here. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of a wait and see on it. Uh, like you said, Kenny Block. I guess that's, you know. Most of the important thing about being a tight end is being able to both block and catch the ball. But uh, you know, uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not on the Stan army, but I'm not I'm not anti. We'll just see how it goes. And like you said, I mean, it's been such a. I mean, even compared to just last year, how much better this tight end unit is going to be is is at least like. I think so many games last year we were like. God, if Wilson had anybody he could throw to in that position to take away looks from Corey Davis having to go to all these wide receivers every single time, if he had anybody he could check the ball down to. So we have those people now. So, again, hopefully Zach is able to step it up now that he's got a little bit more options offensively. Yeah. I mean, if Joe Douglas was able to go out and get C.J. Uzama, I would have been thrilled. And if he was able to go out and get Tyler Conklin, who had a great year last year for the Vikings— I would have been thrilled. And he went out and got both of them. Yeah. So I I don't think Joe Douglas could have done a better job creating this tight end room. I think Uzama has a chance to be a really great safety blanket over the middle for whoever's playing quarterback, even Joe Flacco in week one. Um, and then Tyler Conklin is is I would really a starter on most NFL teams that don't have uh, CJ Uzama or the teams that obviously have elite tight ends. I really love Conklin as a blocker. I think as your second tight end, you're largely going to play uh, two tight ends in a running formation, right? So you want that second tight end to be a capable blocker. I think Conklin fits that bill perfectly. Um, so I love the fit of both of these guys on this team. Uzama is a capable blocker himself. And, and I know the team is really high on Jeremy Ruckert, the rookie coming in to uh, to, to make some noise here. I think they, they really liked Ruckert in camp, and he had a nice little preseason a uh, guy I think who primarily profiles as a blocker but he's got some nice hands as well um so I'm excited to see what they get out of Ruckert which means if you've got these top three whatever happens with Kajer is really just gravy if the top three stay healthy right 
maybe they use Lawrence Cager and like how the Falcons use Kyle Pitts or how the Giants used to use Evan Ingram, where he's really never lined up on the line. He's really always used as kind of a slot receiver. I think that's that's how we're probably going to see Cager this year if he plays at all. Tight receiver. Wide end? No, that yep. doesn't work. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like wide end. That's good. <laughs> well, it depends. Depends on the guy, I guess. Yeah, let's uh, let's move on to the offensive line. What do you think? Again, I think this is another huge Joe Douglas victory. I mean, obviously losing Mackay Becton hurts, but you notice that um, Joe Douglas was ready to pivot to Dwayne Brown in free agency even before Becton was officially ruled out for the season. Right. So this was always a move he was going to bring in depth or otherwise. Um, he goes out and gets Dwayne Brown to give the Jets a perfectly capable former pro bowler, uh, great pedigree left tackle. He brings in Lakin Tomlinson to play left guard, who's been one of the better left guards in the league. So I love having Brown and Tomlinson being that new left side of the offensive line. I think that's absolutely rock solid. And then you've got last year's standout, Elijah Vera Tucker, their former left guard, moving over to right guard adding depth there at that position. So I'm excited to see what AVT can do from the right side. They bring back George Fant, who we could not have been more wrong about in our season preview last year. Yeah, George Fant ended up having a terrific season he did. Uh, for the he... Jets, and, I, and and he's a guy I frankly would have cut before week one, so it shows you um, what I know, why I'm not the GM. <laughs> and then you've got uh, Connor McGovern in the middle, returning at center, and that's the perfect place for him because I think McGovern is mid. I think he's <laughs> fine. Yeah. I think he's a perfectly capable starting caliber center. I think it's a position that you'd like to improve upon in theory, but if you're going in with McGovern as your starting center, it's it, it's also not time to panic. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, Fant and AVT are definitely the two that you're kind of the most excited about on this on this unit, but yeah, McGovern's like, okay, you know, he'll uh, hopefully do the job. Um, obviously, the Becton thing is uh, is a bummer, and uh, the 2020 draft class from Joe Douglas just that just that was. It was a tough year, and uh, they're still paying for it a little bit. But, you know, um, hopefully it's one of these things where I'm just a little nervous if we get into the, like, depth here, like, and how much we trust Herbig and these kind of other guys. But, look, um, you know, that's that's kind of – there's only so much you can do. If you're going to have a guy who you spent major draft capital on two years ago with a high pick – uh, and he seems like he's pretty much a bust at this point, or at least to this point, uh, you have to do something. And I agree with you. I think, I think for all the bad luck and, uh, and t terrible things that this team has been through, I think Douglas does seem at least like aware of being like, okay, if you know, this thing doesn't work out with Becton, then they're able to make a move as opposed to just kind of sitting on their hands and being like, well, that that's it. We're just going to have to kind of play out the rest of the year and hope he comes back. It was, there does seem to be at least an urgency to like, well, let's replace this in, in any way that we can. And I think he did a good job with that, you know? And uh, yeah, so I don't know. I'm sure we're going to be cursing out the offensive line on future podcasts so i'll uh i'll, I'll just stop right here and say yeah it's a thumbs up so far hopefully or thumbs like sideways up yeah <laughs> yeah good job for now and let's hope they stay healthy because you touched on the depth kevin uh the jets let uh idoga go i know who's played a lot of games for them the last couple of years he got claimed by the falcons there's really as as high as i am on this fivesome as starters, there's really not a whole lot of proven depth behind them. Obviously, nobody expects all of their offensive line 
to play every snap throughout a year. The best offensive lines in the NFL are usually the ones that stay the healthiest, right? That's usually right. the mark of a good offensive line. It's it's a position that's important to have quality depth, and it scares me that I don't think the Jets do have quality depth. I think there's two positions on this team that are screaming out for depth that they don't have it, the offensive line being one of them, and the linebackers later on who we'll touch on, where it's another case where I'm really high on the starters. Unfortunately, there's absolutely no one to come in behind them if anybody has to miss any time. And with that, I guess we'll take a break and uh, pivot to some defense. So coming back, just to keep going through the uh, position groups here, we're on to the defense. This is, I think, one of the most talented and deepest position groups the Jets are going to run out there this season, and that's the defensive line. Um, No matter what's going on with the rest of the team, the defensive line always seems to be our strength, or at least that's what we say as Jets fans, right? There always seems to be at least one stud out there (laughs) playing D-line for us. It's it's the one position we seem to be able to draft pretty consistently. Um, But this is a good a group, I think, as they've they've had in a long time because they've added around the edge. We know that Quinn and Williams is going to play just about every down if he's healthy in the middle, and Salah plays a 4-3, so there's usually going to be two big guys in the middle, and then you've got the two guys on the edge. And I think that's where the Jets have made the most improvement. You've got Carl Lawson starting at the one end. Um, they obviously paid Lawson a ton of money last offseason to come in here and be a big-time uh, pass rusher, be a big-time effective edge for them. That didn't work out as Carl Lawson got injured pretty much immediately as soon as he put on the uniform. Immediately, um, yep. But he's fully rehabbed from last season. He's back. He's ready to go for week one. And on the other side, you've got John Franklin Myers who I'm going to push the underrated button again, just like I did for Braxton Berrios. I feel like JFM doesn't get enough shine from national football media. He is he is absolutely rock solid and, and has been for this team for, for a couple of years now. I love what they, that they locked up Franklin Myers uh, long-term last year as well. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think this is actually a pretty solid unit. And like you said, it's usually kind of a bright spot. It's like Jets fans' motto. It's like, at least the defensive line is good. Like everything else is always just like whatever. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, bringing JFM back is is big. Having Lawson come back is awesome. I, I think as we go through the other defensive units, I think this is definitely the strongest one. Obviously, there is also uh, I think we're we're going to agree on the the corner play being pretty strong this season coming up, but. Definitely, this is probably the strongest unit that they have. There's a tiny bit of depth. Um, is Vinny Curry coming back? This is something I should know. Yeah, so Vinny Curry was placed on IR, uh, I think, a couple of days ago. But all that yeah. means is that he has to miss a minimum of four games. I don't believe Curry's injury is serious. I think he will play this okay. year. And so that just adds to depth behind Franklin Myers and Lawson. Then right. you've got Vinny Curry and you've got first-round pick Jermaine Johnson. Right. And we're expecting huge things from Jermaine Johnson. Again, he's not a starter per se. If you're if you're talking about a traditional 4-3, I'm sure he'll get plenty of snaps and pass rush situations. But the, even the fact that we've got guys ahead of him on the depth chart, I think takes a lot of pressure off Jermaine Johnson. Um, he could just kind of come in. And then on the interior of the line, the Jets brought in Solomon Thomas, who I think is another um, solid common Joe Douglas W. Uh, guy who's played for Salah with the 49ers uh, the last few years. I think Solomon Thomas is um, an above-average starter at defensive line, especially when you put him next to Quinn and Williams, who's going to be drawing a lot of double teams, you have to figure. Um, They bring in uh, another veteran from last year. Sheldon Rankins is back. 
on the interior line. I'm not sure if Nathan Shepard made the team. I'd have to look that up. I think he might have, but that kind of adds to the depth interior and edge. I think Shepard could play a little bit of both. I didn't mention Jonathan Marshall or Bryce Huff, who made the team as well. Bryce Huff, a little bit of an underrated pass rusher, especially when he gets to be, you know, the fourth string defensive end. Same can be said of uh, Jacob Martin, I think was actually a, a pretty good under the radar signing. So the Jets are like loaded with talent and loaded with depth on this defensive line. Yeah, and uh, Shepard did did make the roster as far as I know, so I think he's on it. Yeah, I think you pretty much said it all, and, and the Jermaine Johnson thing is exciting too. Hopefully we get... Uh... We get some some action out of uh, out of that pick. I, I was pretty excited when they got him on on draft day. It was surprising. I remember texting you about that <laughs> that uh, that they were able to address that need in the first round. So, yeah, again, uh, arrows pointing up. Somehow, it seems like there's some obvious thing here where three weeks into the year we're going to be like, oh no, we were wrong about something. And I don't know if it could be this, but if assuming that this group at least the starting group stays healthy again kind of the same as the o-line you know you 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 just you kind of pray for that um even though you don't anticipate it at this point but you you pray for it and uh you're talking me more and more into this team seth i gotta say i was gonna try to be a downer and uh (laughs) but i can be a downer on 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 a couple of those these these ones coming up i think yeah i'm telling you they're a quarterback away the other position groups are pretty strong (laughs) uh well actually by default i suppose our weakest position group is fullback considering they don't have one what what is the deal with fullback? Are they just kind of punting on that? What are the rules? No, uh, yeah, they are. They're literally punting on fullback. I know they had a rookie fullback in camp uh, who I believe ended up on the practice squad. Uh, the Jets the last couple of years have used a, a tight end, uh, Trevin Wesco. Yeah, um, pretty much just a blocking who they stocky waved. tight end. He couldn't he catch, had... couldn't run routes. Yeah, yeah. He, Wesco is no longer. This tight end group is just too strong to survive another season of Trevin Wesco. Uh, frankly, good riddance. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think if this team needs a tight end, I mean, uh, needs a fullback, like in um, goal line situations, I think that's where we might see a little bit of Jeremy Ruckert. Um, they could use Tyler Conklin there maybe a little bit if we're playing Uzama at, at tight end. A little mix and match probably in, in specific situations where they do need a fullback. Yeah. Uh, and who knows? We've seen defensive player fullbacks uh, for other teams. I would I would love to see a little little Quinn and Williams lead blocker Ooh, in the hole. I'm not against it. There you go. So they could get real fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> You're not the GM, as you mentioned earlier, but you, you do want to be the coach. So uh, we can try that. <laughs> or at least the offensive coordinator. Yeah. I, I don't think I could coach. I do think uh, I could be an offensive coordinator uh, based on just decades of playing Madden. And uh, I wish I were kidding about that. I'm only, that's only sort of a joke <laughs> that I think I could do it. I could be more creative on third down than Brian Schottenheimer. Let's put it like that. That's what I thought. That's what I thought you were going to say. It's like based on Brian Schottenheimer. At least I can do better than this guy. <laughs> I mean, how many bad offensive coordinators have we seen watching the Jets over the years? Oh, where you you literally start to think oh, you're like, man. I could probably do better than this. I I feel like I could. Yeah. Just I could at least I could at least be like, hey, that play we just ran. That's it. No longer in the playbook. That's it. We're cut, I'm whitewashing that one. That one's out of here. The throwing the ball at a receiver's feet at the line of scrimmage. <laughs> if I was a coach, that that's the first play that it's getting that's getting cut. We're not doing that one anymore. Yeah, whatever no. that's called. The, the, uh, the draw play on third and twelve. <laughs> that's that's getting pulled right out of the playbook. Don't like that. The throw the throw into the double covered guy five yards down when you need seven. I don't like that one. That's I've never been a fan of that play. <laughs> never been a fan. Uh, the first play I would institute, by the way, is a quick aside. It's called um, penalty post. 
It's where um, you pretend to run a go route, and at the last second you run into the corner because you start to run a post because you've got him on the inside of you. You run smack into that corner, you're going to get that flag every time. There you go. Playing for the flag. And they they say they're calling more uh, something this year, defensive penalties, like def- like illegal contact or something. Yeah. There's some, there's some NFL initiative to uh, to make the game better, so that'll undoubtedly somehow make it much, much worse, as, as, as it always does. Yeah. Get, getting hit <laughs> down the field as a wide receiver is the best chunk play you can provide. It's 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 the easiest. <laughs> I've I've always been a fan of the intentional penalty. I believe we're at linebacker now. Um, a lot of similarities to the offensive line, and that I love this group of starters. But man, oh man, if anybody goes down, yeah. Um, so obviously, uh, this group is headlined by C.J. Mosley, um, who should have made the Pro Bowl last year uh, and should have won Comeback Player of the Year. I should have won that bet. If you remember our first episode uh, last season, I do. Yeah. You're s- still waiting, still waiting on that check for the uh, for the most important or the comeback player. Yeah, yeah. you got uh, C.J. Mosley coming back to play the middle. He'll be flanked by Quincy Williams coming back for year two, uh, similar to Michael Carter, right? One of the lone standouts from last year, Quincy Williams. Yeah, loved what we saw out of Quinnen's older brother. Not many people realize that because I feel like we've known Quinnen a little longer, um, but I believe Quincy is the older brother. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, according, so according to the official NewYorkJets.com team depth chart, they have the starting third linebacker as Marcel Harris. Um, that is patently false as evidenced by the fact that Marcel Harris was originally cut from this team and put on the practice squad only to be added to the active roster once the Vinnie Curry IR news became finalized. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that Quan Alexander is the third starting linebacker uh, for this unit. Is that fair to say? I think that that is true, yeah. And uh, and then there's Jamie and Sherwood, so... Yeah. Here's the thing. <laughs> uh, Love Quincy. Yeah. Great year last year. Excited to what we see out of him in 2022. Fast linebacker. I think the perfect guy to pair with C.J. Mosley, who's just as solid as they come at middle linebacker. Um, Love Quan Alexander. Big hitter. Veteran. Uh, for for a, a defense that's otherwise pretty young, um, so I, I love the Quan Alexander signing. Um, another Tom and Joe Douglas W and Quan Alexander, but like you said, Kev, I'm absolutely terrified that we're going to get six or seven games this year out of Nazrul Dean and Jamie and Sherwood. I can't do it. I can't do it for another year. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, it's uh that hit, seeing uh, Sherwood out there and then one other player we're going to hit later on are two that I'm like, please limit the amount of times I have to see this guy on the field. But but hey, you know, let's uh let's be optimistic and just root for the be like, yeah, there's there's not gonna get hurt and there's not gonna be a problem with the linebacker position. If we keep saying it, you know, it's like a vision board. You know, we just you put out the positive energy. We're gonna try positive energy this season on just end the show. It's gonna be gone by week two, but you know, you know how yeah. it goes. I mean Juan Alexander does not have a, uh, a thorough injury history in the National Football League. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he'll be fine. It's he's gonna be fine. I'm sure he is eating his Wheaties and all of that stuff. He's gonna be great. Yeah. If, if uh, I don't think we need to spend too much more time dwelling on this unit, except to say that it seems that DQ Thomas, uh, Marcel Harris, like we said, because of the injury, uh, made the roster, and then so did Nazaldine and Sherwood. Were both, if I'm not mistaken, converted safeties. They were rookies last year, converted college safeties to linebacker. Robert Sala likes his linebackers 
uh, to be fast because he does play that 4-3 scheme. So he likes, you know, the, the, the three in that 4-3 to be a little bit more mobile than maybe your traditional um, NFL linebacker may be able to get line to line a little quicker. So I think those two are more like strong safeties that he's kind of converted into linebacker. We'll, we'll see how much or how little they have to play this season. But here, as we move on, is possibly my favorite position group on the Jets. Maybe only second to the wide receiver group we've got. And that's cornerback. Who doesn't love a guy named Sauce? I mean, come on. Serious question. Do you think we can get Sauce on the pod? Because he's been going and doing Jets podcasts? Because he's like promoting his, uh, he, he has a Sauce. I'm not making this up. <laughs> <laughs> he has a sauce at Buffalo Wild Wings. Sauce, if you're out there, we're ready for you. Come on, Justin, the show. I'd be mad at him if he didn't produce his own sauce. So that is like the biggest slam dunk I've ever heard. Yeah. Talk about the greatest cross-promotional idea of all time. And and this is what I mentioned earlier. Um, if, uh, if he plays as well as we hope, uh, we're going to try to get Podcast Precinct to buy us both sauce ne- necklaces. Mm-hmm. Or maybe like yours can say S-A-U and mine can say C-E so when we stand next to each other. But then it'll be confusing because people will think you went to like something something university that starts with S. So we'll, we'll, we'll workshop that. But also it could, I was thinking it could be like on 30 Rock where Tracy has the necklace but it's also a flask. Mm. These are just ideas. I'm just, you know. What if you filled the flask with sauce and used it to pour over food? Let's go. Is there anything more in New Jersey than rolling up uh, with a flask around your neck that's just full of marinara? I mean, that, I mean, that seems like a, this is this is a great fit for this team. Uh, I love sauce. I love how excited that Robert Sala is about sauce. I'm excited about sauce. There's so many great ideas here, but we love sauce, and we are ready for a cornerback unit that is not terrible like the ones that we have been subjected to for a while so this is great bryce hall is exactly where he belongs and i don't mean that to sound slanderous i'm not anti bryce hall but he is not a starter in today's national football league as we as we go through the ever-extending list of common joe douglas victories uh bringing in dj reed great signing bringing in reed to play corner opposite sauce gardner i love the dj reed sauce Michael Carter, the second trio. I feel like uh, as much as you'd love to have the 4-3 as your base, I feel like in today's NFL, you're in the nickel, I mean, what, 60% of the time at least. And so I love having a strong nickel corner and and Michael Carter, the second, to go along with DJ Reed and Sloss Gardner. And then if anyone gets hurt, Bryce Hall coming in as your fourth corner, Brandon Eccles coming back, who had a decent year last year, coming in as your fifth. I'm about it. That's called building quality depth. And I think that's what Joe Douglas has actually done here at corner. Uh, I stepped on you a little bit, Kev. What were you trying to say? Oh, I think uh, the main thing is that for podcast content purposes, the sauce thing is a slam dunk no matter how it goes, right? Because you can just, you can be like, the sauce is spicy or the sauce is kind of weak today, this week or whatever. There's so many, like, there's so many yeah. like possibilities. We're, we're lost, lost in the sauce. <laughs> the sauce is the boss. There's so many ways that we can go with this. Mm. Um, no, but yes, I agree with you. This is um, definitely a competent unit, which is something that I don't think you could have said. We certainly were not saying when we were doing this podcast last year. And you might be a little higher on Eccles than I am. Although, uh, you know, yeah, as somebody has just coming in, uh, you know, to replace if somebody gets hurt or on certain 
possession you know on certain snaps that's that's one thing but yeah the there is a decent amount of depth on this uh for this unit now and we have somebody who we think is going to be a real impact person in sauce and we have michael carter the second we've already seen make a pretty positive impact so and you have dj reed you know who's dj reed so somehow we're going to get disappointed by this team and i think we're just trying to figure out figure out how it's going to happen and i think potentially it might be in the next unit we're going to discuss <laughs> that's that's right kevin only two more groups to go if we count special teams mm-hmm. and this next one is uh if you're sensing a theme here about quality depth as opposed to uh getting strong starters lamarcus joiner jordan whitehead love it tom and joe douglas w jordan whitehead excellent safety coming over from the tampa bay buccaneers lamarcus joiner um, kind of this, the Vinnie Curry of safeties, the Carl Lawson of safeties came over last year, immediately got hurt, didn't see a lot of joiner, um, but a perfectly capable starting free safety to go along with the stud in Whitehead. And then after that, woof, we have to watch Ashton Davis run it back again. All right. So I believe at one point last season, I maybe said that Pinnock should be uh, outside the stadium selling jerseys. Mm. Uh, I I regret that statement, and uh, I apologize personally to him (laughs) that, come on, anybody but Ashton Davis. I don't get this. Do you understand it at all? And we're not the only people saying it. Every fan site and every Twitter, Jets Twitter account is like, yeah. Why is this guy in the roster? It seemed like he played himself out of the, out of the team in the preseason. He's still here, like you said though. Joiner Whitehead is great, but but yeah, this is this is. I think this was probably the most inexplicable roster decision made this season. Um, you know, something like the running back thing with Coleman. What that's, you know, whatever impact that's going to have. It's not not huge. Um, and you know, you can see the upside with the younger guys like Zonovan and stuff. This I just don't get. I don't see any upside for Davis, and I just, you know, I, I maybe he's a nice guy. I hate to keep picking on. I feel like we picked on him so much in this podcast. I feel bad. Maybe he's a nice guy, and he's listening. He's just like, oh, I just want to listen to a podcast, and people are just shitting on him constantly. But I'm sorry, man. I don't know what to say. I don't understand why you're on the team. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't listen to the podcast. I'm frankly surprised that Robert Sala hasn't tried to convert Ashton Davis to linebacker the same way he's done with Nazaldine and Sherwood. Um, only because, and I think this is the reason he's still on the team. Well, he can't tackle. He yeah, can't tackle that's anybody, a problem for linebackers, problem. isn't it? <laughs> it's it's just that he. I think it's one of those cases where the physical tools leave such a a, a ceiling that impresses coaches, but in practice, uh, he's just not ready or capable. Uh, Davis is he's he's fast. He's strong. Um, but he just simply struggles at the mental part of the game. He struggles with the fundamentals when you talk about tackling. He's a big hitter if he lines somebody up, but he's a bad fundamental tackler, which is not what you want from someone in the secondary. VA takes the right angle on somebody, which never fucking happens, or at least we right. don't see it all last and, season. Correct. And thank you for mentioning angles, because that's the whole issue with Davis in terms of like playing the actual safety position. He takes terrible angles to the ball. You can't really put him in any sort of, you know, Tampa too deep scenario because he's just he's going to end up getting lost out there and he ends up getting burnt i mean who missed more defensive zone assignments last year than ashton davis he's looked completely lost uh his first two seasons um i know he was someone that the jets were excited about when they drafted him originally um but at some point draft pedigree can't matter at some point you've got to cut the cord 
Behind Davis, the Jets have Tony Adams and Will Parks. Uh, Will Parks, a veteran backup, fine if he's coming in as your, your third string safety. Um, an injury replacement, not the end of the world. Uh, Will Parks kind of filling out the last few spots of your roster. So, yeah, would have liked to see the Jets bring in at least a third capable safety. I feel like a great team, a Super Bowl cal- caliber team, probably has, you know, goes four deep at safety. I wasn't asking that much of the Jets, but I'd like to see them be three deep at safety. I would have liked to see them hang on to Marcus May or franchise tag Marcus May so that we could sort of use LaMarcus Joyner as our third safety. Um, that didn't happen. They let Marcus May walk, and I don't think I'm over that decision still. Yeah, and earlier on in the pod, you mentioned that you thought that the quarterback position was probably the weakest. At least uh, the good thing with quarterback position is that, well, the good or bad thing about quarterback position is that, you know, depth is some, is, a de- is a totally different thing with that, right? I mean, obviously, if Zach comes back in week two and he can play the rest of the season and be good, or at least competent, then... You know, I know these are big ifs, but I'm just saying if these things happen, then at least you don't it's not a situation where it's like, oh, well, we're just going to have to put Joe Flacco in for a couple of snaps or like we're going to have to bring in Strebler just to play the third quarter or something like, you know, you have if you can get a quarter if you can get a quarterback to carry you through the season, then, you, you know, whether or not there's a ton of depth on that is different than something like safety where these guys are going to, you know, they're getting beat up out there or you can't, like you say, can't have them out there for every snap. And I just, yeah, I, it's so funny watching, like preparing for this podcast. I was consuming a lot of like the earlier training camp materials and preseason things up until now. And like literally every single person who was like in the camps and on the field stuff was like, I don't see Ashton Davis making this team. It's very surprising. And then everybody, when they announce the roster has to be like, I can't believe Ashton Davis was on this team. <laughs> so we're not the only ones doing it. I understand. Uh, and you know, uh, I, again, I, I, it feels like you're just ganging up on this one guy because it's one of the most like egregious things in the, in the roster decision, but it is what it is. I, I don't know what else to say. And yeah, I mean, Tony Adams is a, not a guy I could pick out of a police lineup either. <laughs> no. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, I know he's been on the team or whatever, but so, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I agree with you with that. I, I kind of think this is the worst position group just because it's a different t- type of thing than quarterback, even though I understand what you mean, that if you have a whole complete team and you don't have a quarterback, you're sunk. Whereas with something like safety, you can potentially get by on a, you know on a, on a on a unit like this, but again, let's just uh, pray to the football gods that uh, that these these guys stay as healthy as they can. Joiner and Whitehead. And then, last but not least, special teams. So you've got uh, a new kicker this year. We have a real kicker, Kevin. A real actual kicker. No one. Greg the leg. Greg the leg. Greg no the offense leg. to Eddie Pinheiro, who is really a savior for us. Coming in late last year, yep. third kicker of the year. He was. Um, but Pinheiro was beat out in camp by another Joe Douglas free agent signing, Greg Zerline. Zerline is uh, something that you don't really want to say about kickers. It's streaky. Streaky is usually not a great adjective for kickers. Um, he kind of goes through games where he'll be like 0 for 4 and like miss yeah. an extra point. You'll be like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? And then the other 15 games of the year, he'll be solid. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've lost I've lost some money on Greg the Leg in the past, so I'm a little dubious, but you know, 
it's uh, it's nice to have a guy who is like an actual kicker. And again, like you say, nothing against Pinheiro, but like he couldn't kick it beyond a certain, whatever that. Right. There was right. a certain threshold where they were like, it was just barely screaming through the upright so or the uh, the crossbar. So hopefully, like you say, Greg, the leg. There might be there might be a podcast this season where we're saying mean things about Greg the Leg. So we're going to start positive and say nice things that we're happy that he's on the team and it's all going to go great. Vision board stuff. We're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so and then last but not least, punter Braden Mann running it back. Uh, Braden Mann, perfectly capable punter. Yep. No complaints. As long as we're not the Bills. As long as we're not running. Uh, Matt uh, uh, Ariza, how do you how do you pronounce that rapist's name? Yeah, no, no the bills the bills did the right thing; they caught him. But uh, as long as we're not running that guy out there, um, I suspect that man will continue his duties as our kickoff man as well. And just uh, in terms of the rest of the special teams, Justin Hardy made the roster that was kind of up in the air. Um, he comes in as the sixth corner behind Eccles, but in reality, um, unless we see a ton of injuries, we're not going to see Hardy uh, on on defense. He's just going to be that special teams ace, that gunner for the Jets. And Braxton Berrios returns as the team's primary uh, return man for punts and for kicks. Uh, a little curious to know who the depth behind Berrios is that kick returns, but as long as he stays healthy, um, he's one of the top returners in the league. Yeah, I think beyond being a um, Mike White and Denzel Mims stand cast, no. I think our for the real, the most stanny we are about somebody on the team is probably Barrios, right? It's either him or Carter, Michael mm-hmm. Carter. Yeah, it's got got to be one of those two. Um, and we're not a Zach Wilson hater podcast yet. Not yet. We we've we've done a little. We've done a little. We've dabbled. We've we've done. We've dabbled in that a little bit last season. But we're a let Mike year, White cook podcast. If Mike White's cooking, that's, that's what we are. <laughs> leave Zach on the bench. I could care less about him developing. If Mike White is uh, playing like a backup quarterback. Then you get to, you get to say that oh we were just keeping the seat warm for Zach the whole time it's fine exactly and you bring him back if Mike White is cooking get out of the kitchen that's what we say on just end the show <laughs> print up the the white Mike shirts <laughs> if we can't get sauce necklaces with sauce dispensers we will gladly accept uh, just end the show branded Mike White t-shirts and yes again we're still gonna sell our custom made bags uh, we don't have we haven't had any offers yet for those. Um, I have to get a new one for for this season, um, or maybe I don't. Although I probably will, because they're going to get beat by Baltimore in Week One. Um, schedule was pretty tough. I I hadn't looked at it fully until like last week, and I was like, "Ooh, there's some there's some tough opponents on here, and they're playing the AFC North, which I'm not yeah super pumped about." Um, but it, did you want to get to your your hammering the Jets over in our Jets bets finale or Jets bets? Uh, finale to the episode here you're hammering the over you like uh six wins yeah that's our that's our first jets bet segment of the year right i uh, the official under over for the jets is five and a half wins for the year i like that over um i don't love it i, I wouldn't say this team is a lock <laughs> for over five and a half but I, I looking at the schedule i like them for about seven wins i think seven and ten is a realistic mark for this team uh, maybe I could see them going eight and nine. Um, I don't think they're going to push it over 500 realistically. Like I said, the absolute ceiling would be 10 and seven. I don't think they'll hit that. I think we're looking at a six or seven win season. I would cautiously, responsibly, no, take no, no, no. the over that. on the Jets five and a half. Um, I would not bet on the Jets week one if you want to get into <laughs> next week. I think the Joe Flacco Ravens revenge game 
is going to be an all-time shellacking, frankly, uh, which just speaks to uh, the little confidence that I have in Joe Flacco as a capable NFL starter. We talked about how high I am and on the other position groups. Um, if we were playing Mike White, I'd give us a, a puncher's chance. Um, but although they haven't announced it yet, I think all indications are the Jets are going to roll with Super Bowl champion Joe Flacco. So I think this is a uh, a big fat L. Um, I love the Jets next week, no matter who's playing quarterback, or I should say in week two, against the Deshaun Watson list Browns. Um, I like that matchup a lot. I think the Jets will ultimately start the season one and one, no matter who's playing quarterback. But yeah, week one, not not looking great, Kev. I know. I, I wish we could start out with the easier team. Or even start out with the divisional game. I mean, obviously the Bills would be tough, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's 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 hard to uh, it's hard to to look at this Baltimore game any in any way and be excited about it. But you know, uh, hopefully we get good performances by people not named Joe Flacco, just to be like, hey, mm-hmm. well, there's something that we can hang our cap on once hopefully. Zach comes back ready to go. I think you've you've done a good job here talking me into the team. I think like a, I think when Zach got hurt in that preseason game, uh, there was a moment where I was like, I might not only be done with the pot, I might just be done with football in general. I might just give up. And uh, yeah, there was that twenty four hours where it was supposed to be a torn ACL on Twitter, and and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it was a scary time. It was dark times. It was dark times, Seth. But we made it out, and here we are. Hopefully, with. Uh, with our boy coming back for week two. So, yeah, I would be lying if I were to say I'm looking forward to week one, but uh, maybe I can look forward to the rest of the year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try anyway. If you had to rank uh, Zach Wilson as a starting quarterback within the AFC East, uh, where would you put him? And your choices are second through fourth. <laughs> because I, 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 don't, I, don't, I think Josh Allen is, is pretty set up there at number one. Josh Allen's a little bit better. Uh, <laughs> just a, a touch. I would say, uh, we're we're the we're 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 an anti Tua pod, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna rank him above Tua. There, I just said it. I don't know. He's probably at least on that level. Um, Mac Jones, I mean, showed a lot last season, but I think the Patriots hopefully are gonna stink. Uh, then again. They never do, so I'm always like skeptical. Like when people are like, "Oh, it's gone bad in preseason." It's like when the Yankees lose preseason games. It's like, yeah, but yeah, who cares? Like nobody, like spring training, like nobody gives a shit. So I'm gonna tentatively say third. I'm gonna put him above Tua, but I think I, Mac might be a little bit better. But you know, I just I think in terms of skill position guys and, and in terms of the roster, I think the Jets have people around him. So if he's able to come back and be healthy, and there's some chemistry. And like we said, he's got a little more uh, room with the tight ends. He's got a tiny bit better of an offensive line, even without Becton. So now's your chance, Zach. That's going to be the thing. I think that's going to be the theme this year, because if we're rolling it back next year and they had won like three or four games again, um, yeah, uh, then then I'm going to be fully out. So this season's going to be going to be it for me, for Zach, before I become totally, totally despondent. Who am I? Who am I kidding this year? It's going to be like five weeks and I'm going to be mad about something. <laughs> yeah. We'll check in with you on, on our eighth episode right, right after week seven. <laughs> see how we're feeling about Zach. Um, yeah. I'd be it, like oh, the whole year. I was giving him the whole year. What am I crazy? Yeah. It's but, crazy that he could range anywhere from the second best quarterback in the division to like the fifth best quarterback in the division behind both of Mac Jones and Tua and Mike White. So like it's it's crazy <laughs> that the kind of floor and ceiling that Zach has. We're the premier Mac Jones hater podcast. 
um, with a premiere to a Tonga Vailoa hater podcast. Um, <laughs> I don't have confidence in either of those guys in division. In fact, I would argue to say that the Patriots have the worst supporting cast. It seems like it. I think the Jets have a superior line. Uh, they have greatly superior wide receivers. I would love a futures bet. I got to look into this. Um, Patriots fourth place in the AFC East is something I would very much like to look into. I think people are on to Mac Jones. Um, I don't think he's going to repeat what he did last year in kind of a favorable scheme. I just, I just don't see it for Mac. I just, I just don't see the, the, the real raw talent. Ooh. He was throwing to wide open wide receivers more than any other quarterback in the league. When you look at the advanced stats, um, whereas Zach was always trying to throw it into tight windows, right? I think the Dolphins are fine. I think two is probably okay. Tua arguably has the best wide receivers now that he's got Tyreek Hill. I'm calling uh, Bills first. I don't think that's uh, much of a shock to anybody. Uh, and I'll go Jets and Dolphins kind of battling it out for second with the Patriots in the basement. That's my that's my official AFC East prediction. Wow. Yeah, I think the Dolphins can be good if Tua can be, uh, can be good, but... That's a big if, and I don't see it at all with him. And I, I think I, mo- I think I mostly agree with you. Except the problem is somehow it's not going to like somehow the Patriots are going to pull out these wins, and then we're going to be really mad about it. So yeah, I can't even compound that with like uh, putting an actual bet on it. That would be that would be too much heartbreak for me. But go for it, man. I'll, I'm rooting for you, bud. Good luck. <laughs> That just about wraps things up for us here at Just End the Show. We will be back after the Jets game next Sunday uh, against the Baltimore Ravens to break down the Joe Flacco revenge game. Until then, Kevin, take us out. Just End the Show. Just-